Welcome to the Who and What She Wants podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Ward, and each week I will be interviewing an inspirational female entrepreneur so that you can take away actionable tools and insights to enable you to build the business of your dreams. Whether you're first starting out building your own business, or if you have entrepreneurial dreams that you don't know how to make a reality, then this podcast is for you. Now let's get into the episode. Today, I'm super excited to welcome the fabulous Sam to the show. This incredible female entrepreneur and comedian founded Bear Cave Productions, which offers comedy production and coaching as well as creative writing programs. Today, we're going to dive deep into Sam's entrepreneurial experience and she's going to share with us how her background has helped to define the businesswoman she is today. For anyone wanting to start a business in comedy, Sam's story will help inspire you to chase your dreams and follow your passion. Welcome to the show, Sam. I'm so pleased to have you here today. Thank you. I'm thrilled. This was like in big, bold letters on my calendar. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah, I'm so glad. I have to admit, when I sent you a little message just before, like half an hour before, because some people genuinely forget. I'll be like, oh, you do remember the podcast is, you know, all booked in and they've forgotten. But I felt like you were enthusiastic. So I was like, yes, this is going to be a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) But looking forward to this episode. Um, So I thought to kick us off, it would just be amazing if you could give us a bit of background into how Sound Bear Comedy was founded and what experience got you to where you are today. Yeah. Okay. How much time do we have? No. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, my, my comedy room is actually called bear cave comedy and how that started. I was, uh, walking down my, uh, state street, which is, I guess like main street is the, the you know, the same thing. Like every city has one. And, uh, on our state street, it's like notorious. It's one of the most expensive places to rent a business the rent is like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a month. So it's very risky. And anyway, but it's a, that's the hottest kind of land in town, so to speak. That's, you know, we drive all our traffic there. So I was walking down it and going, man, one day I want to have my own comedy club. And I know that I would call it Bear Cave Comedy and I want it. And I'd said that to myself many days as I was walking by these like abandoned buildings or buildings for rent, um, knowing I didn't have the capital to do that. Um, but knowing I wanted it. And then it finally dawned on me. I finally opened myself up to the universe and removed that block that like, I have to do it this way and realize I could do a pop-up version. I don't need to rent the space. Um, so I put out some uh, feelers out. I try and stay very in tune with different um, entrepreneurs in town. So for that, uh, it's not just lucky, it's conscious choices to network. And um, I reached out to a few people who I know own wineries and pitched them my idea. And the answer was yes. Uh, and then nothing happened. So a year later, I follow back up, like, remember that idea? And you were on board. And they said yes again. And I had them put down a date. And from there, Bear Cave Comedy which is under Sam Bear Comedy, was was born. And I really wanted to do this because as a female comic, um, especially a Latina female comic, I regularly see lineups that are predominantly men and then are predominantly white men. And I want to be really clear. White men can be funny. 
<laughs> but they are not the only option for comedy. And to be perfectly honest, when you go to a show that has all white men, not to discredit their abilities, you are only getting one point of view. Maybe they've lived different lives just by the law of averages, but the point of view is can be condensed into the white male point of view. And uh, <laughs> that is without a lot of turmoil, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> you know, when, <laughs> however bad it might be, like it was, it was okay. So, <laughs> um, and I was just tired of seeing that as the only option. And so if you come to my shows, and I do believe that's one of the reasons we've been so successful, I have, I, I generally actually female heavy pack my show. My shows are tend to be 60, 40% women to men, uh, which is intentional. Uh, I don't do it to overshadow if I had a, a, um, a stronger male uh, uh, like comic versus the lineup. I might shift things around. But yes, I'm very comfortable saying that is a conscious choice because this is my stage. And I want female voices to have a, a stage. So I also have more predominantly um, voices of color, men and women. And I have a variety of ages as well. Um, I think one of my oldest comics is maybe oh, was into her, her 60s, I believe. Um, and then I have people as young as 19 perform on my stage. So age is, to be honest, one of the like most minimal factors. Um, but I take it into consideration in that I want a breadth of performance because I want my audience to be that breadth. And uh, I tend to also have a surprise guest element that is left out of publicity. That guest always knows the why. I make sure that they're comfortable. That I try and do a lot of transparency with my production. So, for example, my first show, I had a drag queen come and perform a little uh, a local celebrity drag queen come and perform um vivian storm i it was like a huge fangirl moment the <laughs> whole room was singing and dancing and then she pulled my mother up on stage and it was <laughs> i was just like well i guess i'm done like now everyone loves my mom the best <laughs> so, it that was how it started and then just general trajectory um i I have been doing comedy professionally. Professionally, I've been doing comedy for over three years. Uh, I did improv comedy before that for about a decade, um, on and off professionally, if you will. <laughs> I don't think I ever paid a full bill <laughs> with the money I earned, but like I made money. So <laughs> now I'm sustaining my life based off of comedy. But before it was like, oh, thanks for the $20 and the glass of Coke. That was nice. <laughs> like Coca-Cola, maybe clear. <laughs> To be um, fair though, any money earned is definitely a success story in my book. So it doesn't matter where you start, it's where you end up. That's true. what matters. <laughs> very, very, very true. Um, and just in general, I've had a very, I've loved comedy. I've always been told I have really good comedic timing. So I also will attribute my confidence in, one, I do know myself to be funny. I, I don't question that. I have better nights performing than others, but I know that I... I, and I think it's okay. I think a lot of women don't take the time to say, no, I am good at this. I've put in work, but I do believe I have a natural talent. And also I'll say I've been, re I've received a lot of positive, um, you know, affirmations from people around me, which impact how we look at what we do. Um, so mm. I was very fortunate in that. 
There's um, so much I want to unpack from that. I feel like I've literally <laughs> written down about 10 questions. Like there's so much I want to go into a bit deeper just because you said some incredible things. Firstly, um, it's so great that you've obviously consciously decided to have such a diverse range of, um, range of comics working with you. Mm-hmm. I think that's so incredible. And it's actually, I wish I lived closer to come to your comedy show because honestly, it's something that I get frustrated with when I go and see comedy here in the UK. I do find mm-hmm. that no matter how funny the comedian is, it's always a very stereotypical kind of person. And yeah. sometimes as, as much as I can find them funny, I can't relate. I find it sometimes yeah. I'm like, okay, I get where you're coming from. It's funny but equally it's not representational of me at all so I would absolutely love to come to your show if I'm ever in California I will definitely be dropping by because it sounds amazing um and also I love what you said as well that you just own the fact that you are funny and that you know comedy is an area that you have strength in because it's something that I really want to change the conversation with on the podcast actually women just owning their skills a bit more I feel like I don't know why sometimes I just feel like as women we can often play down our skills and I just want it to become more natural to us to be able to say do you know what I'm really good at that I own that and I love that you did that um so inspirational so I hope people will definitely take something away from that um I'm intrigued as well so you said sort of early doors that it you had kind of like a mindset shift and then you realize that the universe kind of opened up to you and you saw things from a different perspective I'd love just to deep dive into that a little bit more and how that come about and what that experience was like for you yeah absolutely so um as much as even in that story it made it seem like oh one day I would <laughs> finally <laughs> listen to the universe uh the reality is that was a, a, realistically after um months of of work on myself. I, uh, it took me years to, to finally admit, like, I am not a spontaneous person. I think because uh, I have such high energy and positivity, people attribute that to spontaneity. No, ma'am, I am a planner, like spontaneity on a trip. No, thing. like, let's plan it in. Like, what hour <laughs> do you want to be? <laughs> and I know that like contradicts it. But that's, um, it was very difficult for me to deviate from the plan as it were, whatever the plan was um, and the rules that I gave myself and that I gave other people. Fun fact, sometimes I'll give people rules and they don't even know. That's not healthy. <laughs> so like, I was doing a lot of work on why, where this inflexibility comes from and like, why does it have to go this way if the end result still gets accomplished kind of thing, you know? Mm. Um, and uh, so I, I, I signed up for um, a manifestation program um, with Kristen Jenna. I would recommend it to anybody. It's online. And uh, I, I'm also in uh, a program to get my counseling license. So basically, if you go to school for counseling, it's a lot of like work on yourself before you help other people. So <laughs> I, uh, that because in the lockdown, we can't travel anywhere. So I literally took all of my travel money and it, it, it has been the best investment for myself. I invested it in, in, in going back to school, I invested it in internal work programs. And I allowed myself to say, how can I accomplish, like, is my goal to have a a brick and mortar? Or is my goal to have a stage? If my goal is to have a stage, I can have a stage anywhere. And as soon as I said that, it was very clear 
that I could. And in fact, I have what I purport as the tiniest stage in Santa Barbara. It's a tiny stage, but it's the largest talent. Um, Cause it is very small, but the, but the stage can fit in my car. All of my equipment, everything I need can fit in my car. And, uh, the venue is ideal. It's incredible. It's um, Deep Sea Winery. That's my primary venue. Uh, it's on the pier. We do it late at night. So there's free parking. Um, you just have to wait for the parking attendants to leave. So I guess technically, I don't know. <laughs> just hang out. But, um, and uh, I really started working much more with, uh, with other wineries. And I, again, fortunate for my area, but also like took it in. What has a space? What already has a clientele? What already has a lit? Like who's done so much of the hard labor to build an audience? And then I just come in. I'm like, you know what your audience needs? A little bit of this. Uh, <laughs> and I have a few more, a few more things I, I pitched to. But as soon as I allowed essentially other people to do the heavy lifting and I got to focus on what I brought instead of believing I had to start from zero to make it valid uh to to validate it that is when those doors started really opening mm, that's so interesting that you said that it's funny as well because I've actually been going on my own kind of like personal development journey probably since the beginning of last year because um I hadn't done anything to be honest in personal development prior to that and then you know you just hit a real wall and I was like I can't carry on living like this like this is getting ridiculous yeah. like, I'm literally <laughs> moving nowhere fast I feel like I was going backwards <laughs> with anything and I was like this is not appropriate um so I kind of invested a lot of time myself into personal development and I just love I kind of love how you also said that it wasn't an overnight shift because no. I do feel like there is this commentary on social media at the minute from certain accounts almost making out as if like they made a million dollars in like a day or they, you know, like yeah. all of a sudden the universe opened up to them. And I just feel like that hasn't been my experience. I mean, maybe for the odd person <laughs> it is, I don't know. But for me, it's definitely like a forever project. It's not something that you can say, okay, I've done my one course. Now I'm done. You know, like, yeah, definitely <laughs> <all going. laughs> oh no. And you, you, you backslide too. Like, let me be very clear. Like I, I, there are times where I'm just, I have a scarcity mindset or I get, fear is very real like uh, so something I've learned um and that I carry through is when I work with people I I say be be afraid that's that's fine and take that fear with you but do it anyway we get so uh caught on well I'll do it when I'm not afraid and then it never gets done I don't know why we can't change the narrative to you can be afraid but do but you can still do it Hundred percent. I've actually something that I've been doing to trick my own mind recently. So whenever I feel nervous, you know, I've got sweaty hands, butterflies in your stomach, that kind of vibe. Now in my head, I think, oh, that's because I'm excited. Whereas before, I'd be like, oh god, that's because I'm terrified. I can't do it now because it's a negative sign. Whereas now in my head, I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, this is something positive. I'm excited to do this, and it actually, I have to admit, slowly but surely, it's starting to work. So <laughs> there's a little Love mind it. hack there, <laughs> little mind hack. But um, also something else just to follow on from what you were saying I love that you've been networking as well with um the local wineries sort of saying that you were working you know collaborating with them and to be able to use their audience to help also benefit your own business how do you have any networking tips at all because I know that it's something that people do find quite scary when they're new to business kind of getting themselves out there and building those biz business connections that they need 
A hundred percent. Networking to me feels like I always hated hearing that in college because people would always say network, but then would never tell you what that meant. Hmm. And you're like, okay, you'd go to a networking event, but then you'd only go with the people who you knew and you'd only talk to them. Like that's not networking. That's getting free cheese and crackers, which, Hey, <laughs> if that's why you're there, <laughs> and like we've all been there but don't don't confuse leaving with like a pound of brie in your belly as the same as networking um so i'm <laughs> just being honest realistically networking to me has the same impact as what level up means and that to me is looking around at who has a resource or a skill set that you don't have and that's okay. First of all, we get, I think, really caught up in we have to have everything, you know, that like, you know, no one's above me. And I'm not saying anyone's above anyone, but there are people who have things that are for outside talk for me. People had things that I didn't have. I didn't have a venue. That was a very real thing for me. So I thought, okay, what is a venue that I could use? Once I had that answer, I thought, who do I know in that facility, in that realm? The person who I eventually reached out to, I had met, like I said, more than a year prior, um, not at a networking event, but at a social event between a mutual friend that we had. They had also seen me perform within that year at someone else's venue. So they, one, knew me personally one time. We were not besties. They'd seen me perform professionally, so they also knew that I had comedy acumen. Um, and then on finally we were able to get into that professional model in a partnership where I said, listen, this is how you can benefit. This is how I can benefit. The risk is low on you. Um, honestly, I think one of the biggest things is taking that first step and reaching out and being consistent with that. Like I said, a year prior, they said, that's a great idea. They never said this was a bad idea, but then nothing happened. And I, mm -hmm wasted time kicking myself like why didn't I follow up with them like a month after two months after like I don't know why I waited so long to continue to follow up but if I'm being honest I kind of do I was like oh great they said it was a good idea they'll follow up with me no they won't it's my idea I'm the one who has this is where the work comes in they said great that sounds good so you know what that means set up a meeting send them an email outline your plan just because someone is validating like what you bring, they're not as invested in it because it's your idea. It's your passion project. So be the momentum behind that network. Just because you have their name in your phone, just because you have their email, if you're not actively using it and building that relationship, then that's just another name in your phone. Yeah, I couldn't and agree more with that. I think it's so important. I think sometimes people get you know, when someone's nervous to make and reach out in the first instance, I think almost they build themselves up for the initial um, reach out, but then they don't follow up. It's almost like building yourself up for a first date, having a really, really good first date, but then that's it, like nothing after. And it's obviously yes. it's that kind of mentality. I think if totally. people went into it a little bit more like that, rather than thinking, oh God, I've got to do this really scary thing. I need to jump off the cliff and speak to this person. Oh God, I've jumped now. I'm, do I'm done. It's like, no, no, you're not done. You've just begun. <laughs> Absolutely. And also know that everyone has something to offer someone else. Mm. You know, for example, like I said, I'll, use, I'll continue to use myself as an example, I'll not speak for anyone else. The people I partnered with, they had a venue, they 
they had a client list. However, uh, every show we've had there, they've been astonished very happily that most of the people who I brought to the show and I brought, meaning they were there because of what I brought to the show, um, had never been to this venue before. So it wasn't even their, their client base. We were selling out of tickets, which like a week ahead of time, which let me tell you in my area of Santa Barbara and in the comedy industry is like, what? <laughs> no, <laughs> because people do last minute buys all the time as an event planner. It's one of the most irksome things. You're just like, oh my God. Okay. I know that this happens. It happens every event, but you're like, come on, please just buy your ticket early. So I know <laughs> I can pay people. Um, so know that you, you do have something to offer. Even somebody who is a CEO, somebody who's a business owner. And also when you're networking, no is an appropriate answer. And how you respond to a no is just as important as how you respond to a yes. Mm, so and true. no's sometimes don't say no's forever. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. For example, I reached out to several wineries. Two said no, one said maybe, one said yes. The one that said yes saw huge revenue increases. Now all of a sudden I have the maybes going like, oh yeah, we want you on our calendar. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And the no, I've reached back out to and it's not like I'm trying to change them. It's more, I want to continue to pursue that relationship. I do think it will be successful. For whatever reason, they're still on the fence and that's perfectly okay. So being okay to hear no mm. and, and how you respond to that is so important. Definitely. So true. I think it's almost on par with what we were speaking about earlier when we were saying um, <laughs> it would be nice for women to own their skills a bit more. And I think, again, that is something that us women business owners, it's something that maybe a skill that we need to work on a bit more, but being able to hear the word no and not taking it personally, I think it's definitely something worth investing your time into trying to cultivate a skill around that because it definitely makes all the difference. I couldn't agree more. Um, I was also intrigued as well. So I know you said that you went professional about three years ago. What did that entail? Did you have to do a course or get a qualification? or <laughs> What was the transition? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um... <laughs> I would, that would be funny to, I should sell a, <laughs> you want to become a professional comedian course? Honestly, <laughs> you could it. definitely find yep. a little niche in the market there. <laughs> I, you know what? That might be my newest thing. I'm going to sell professional comedian certificates as a, <laughs> a, a, a downloadable for $1.99. <laughs> that would be great. That's it. Uh, oh man, I'm serious. I'm going to do that today. I'll send it to you. You'll see it. Um, <laughs> how did I, you know, I think, for me, it was taking it as a professional. I uh, I have a lot of, uh, yeah, I, I started really only taking paid shows um, for myself when I was performing. I began to educate myself more on how much is the average that female and male performers make. And how I found that out is truly I have some uh, – Com comedy friends who I consider friends and mentors and they're mentors to me in the sense that they're transparent when I ask them questions about the industry like how much do you get paid how much is the lowest you've gotten paid what's the most you've gotten paid how what's the farthest you've driven do you get reimbursed for that um it's comedy I believe until you're represented you're fairly uh, on an independent contractor basis and so there is it's kind of the wild west of entertainment you know, there are people who will drive two hours for an open mic for five minutes and it's an open mic. You didn't get paid anything, mm. but really you've just expended four hours of time, two hours driving there, two hours driving back for five minutes on stage. Like 
to me, that wasn't something I wanted to do. So one, I wanted to create more stage space for me to know that I would consistently be performing. And um, I think the full deep dive in really happened during COVID. I was furloughed from my, um, I guess, vanilla profession, as it were, something I'm very, I loved. Um, I've been fortunate enough to have a career counselor for a mother. So I have uh, only at one time did I have a, a career that I was very unhappy in. And I stayed long because it was a dream of mine. And when you get your dream and realize it's no longer, it doesn't fit you anymore, it's hard to let it go. Mm-hmm. But I'm forever grateful that I did. So anyway, I uh, I was furloughed and I cried for a couple days. And then I decided to reframe, look at the universe and go, maybe this is the universe saying, this is your time you know, go all in. So um, from that entrepreneurial mind, that's really been since since COVID, so since March. Um, but every move I've made professionally has been since about three years ago. And that's in building my reputation, which is inc- incredibly important to me as a producer, not as a female producer, specifically as a comedian producer. Mm. And by that reputation, I mean, I want to take care of my comics to me, that means my lineup gets paid, my which is fairly unheard of. Most lineups don't, and that's that's okay for other producers. I understand that they're meeting a bottom line. It's a business, but I try and make sure also that my um, that my headliners are properly compensated as well. That any feature guests are properly compensated. I ensure that they get you know drinks covered by by the venue. I try and have water and snacks provided by myself in in the green room space. I am really open with them about how late they can come to the show, how early they should come, if they get a plus one, if they don't get a plus one. Um, and then that there's a lot of follow-up. I try and give them as much as I can. And I noticed immediately the impact that had on the comedy community just by the quality of entertainers who were reaching out to me and the buzz within the comedy community. Um, like, oh, this, you know, Samantha is a solid, strong producer. She has great shows. She takes care of her comics. Um, those are things that are important to me. I love as well that you mentioned that you really sort of, as part of your business model, make sure that you take care of comics and things. Because I think sometimes when you're starting out, um, it can be tempting to kind of look at the bottom line and think, oh, what will make me more money? What will make me more money? But the trouble is that you don't ever want to break or upset relationships with other people that are also trying to run their own business you know launch their own career I think there's more than enough in the world for all of us and I love that you come from such an abundant mindset I think that's absolutely incredible um just to switch up the conversation a little bit so have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur yes and no, and I hate when people say that. The, <laughs> the switch came for me with the mindset one uh, during COVID. But before that, I would always have these ideas and go, man, if I had a million dollars, I could do this. If I, and I oh, and that's the scarcity mindset. Like I've never said that. Well, I haven't said that in the last year. But for most of my life, I was like, man, if I had a million dollar capital, if I, and we think that we need this huge amount of money to start something. And we do not, mm-hmm. we do not. So true. I have started a business with zero dollars. So have I. Now one's gonna argue, <laughs> right? One's gonna argue, oh, you had to, you had to pay money for your, you know, for internet and all that. Well, yeah, I was in my assertion of a functional adult. I was a functional adult. Like <laughs> I had money in the bank 
yes, but like money in the bank and startup capital, those are different. <laughs> That's different. Yeah. 100%. Um, so yeah, um, I did. The more that I worked for somebody else, the more I, I've never thought that the 40 hour business model worked because I always would finish my work so early in the day. Mm. And then people are like, well, you know, ask your boss for more work. And I literally, my mind is like, if I ask for more work, they're going to expect that more work every single day. And I know by law of averages, <laughs> some days a project will take me all day. So this is how my mind works. Like I'm, I'm very much learning. I am neurodivergent. My mind works very differently than many people. Um, so <laughs> I think if you gave me my tasks for the day and I accomplished them by two, then I should be able to leave because I'm done. But I would find myself like, doing creative side projects for three hours at work because I have time. <laughs> Sounds like you've got it the right way around though. That's how it's best to be in the job. I think, um, have you found that you've had to switch your mindset quite a lot now that you are just working solely for yourself? Do you find now that yes. you, obviously you're more motivated <laughs> and you know, it, you know that it's worth putting in the time and energy because you are the one that sees that kind of impact? Yes. Um, I think... I work a little bit every day and some days like days that I do more technical stuff. I always wish like I had a Karen in HR, but like I'm Karen in <laughs> HR. <laughs> I'm always like, man, I miss, that'll be the first thing I outsource. Like I miss an HR like accountant person. Yeah. So those are longer days. Um, and yeah, I do need to, it's something that I, I still have not perfected because when you do work for yourself, it's like, you don't even need an excuse. Do you know what I mean? Like if you don't want to start work at eight, you don't have to, mm -hmm. you're the one who has to, but it still has to get done. So I will say I nine out of 10 don't start work at eight because I don't want to, not that I can't, I just don't want to. Mm -hmm. And I love knowing that I can say, no, I don't want to. So I'm not going to, um, now what that might mean, maybe I am like doing editing on Canva. But to me, it doesn't feel like work. Like the work stuff for me are the gritty things I don't like doing about my business um, that everyone has. Uh, again, I don't, I, I don't know. Some weeks I'm sure I'm working more than 40 hours, but when you are doing what you love, I mean, really love it. it I can't emphasize this enough. It doesn't feel like work. Some days it does. Some days it doesn't. It, it's hard. You know, I don't think anyone who's doing even what they love, it's like every day, I don't feel like I'm working. Really? Because you had to do something today. <laughs> like, <laughs> No, I think unless you were born into a position where you truly don't have to create, but I love it. Like, I agree with you so know, much. I feel like <laughs> it's so funny because prior to starting my business, to be honest, I always worked in jobs that I liked, didn't love. Maybe is probably the best way to say it. Like, you know, nice work, mm -hmm. nice people, job was fun, fine, okay, but was like never lit up my <laughs> life. And then all of a sudden, when I started my own business and started doing things that I actually wanted to do, even like what you say, like the yep. simple thing of like. I don't want to start eight today. I'm not going to like to have that freedom and to be able to make that decision for yourself is the most liberated thing in the world. So sometimes for me, even when I have days where say I'm doing accounts, which I'm with you, I hate doing, I, <laughs> I just take the little stuff and I'm like, do you know what? I can do the accounts for just three hours now. I don't have to do it for seven yeah. hours and then it becomes bearable. And then I'm like, God, I love my business. Like, yay. <laughs> exactly. I totally, I had an accounts day. And a, a fellow entrepreneur, she called me and she's like, do you want to go hike to this natural hot springs in the middle of the day? And I was like, um, yes, I do. <laughs> and then I was super motivated 
to do my, my accounts because I was like, great, I know that if I get this done, like I'm going to feel so good on this hike. And I also was like, if I don't get it done, I still know I'm going to feel great on this hike. Like <laughs> I'll have done it for three hours or the however much time for myself as well. Yeah. I feel so like it's kind of liberty. I feel like we're <laughs> going to be really inspiring anyone that has the dream of starting their own business with this conversation. Cause they'll be thinking, good. I want a little hike to the hot springs. That's what I want. <laughs> so I can't wait to this one to go live. I think it's going to be amazing. Um, I can imagine that confidence is obviously a very key trait for a comedian. So do you have any tips at all for just sort of generally improving your confidence and feeling a bit more bold and brave? Yes. Yes. And I do think this will probably upset people, but that's okay. But walk through life with the confidence of a middle-aged white man. Yes. That is they, a good one. <laughs> I, I used to tell, say that as it used to be part of a joke that I did on stage where I said, you know, my whole life changed when I woke up one morning with the confidence of Kevin, a middle-aged white man. <laughs> good old Kev. <laughs> yeah. Right. Kev, Kev walks up to a tent in a bar and he's like, Hey, like Kev doesn't <laughs> Kev, and Kev is like a solid seven like let's be clear Kev is a seven maybe a six like but is all no like I'm Kev um and the 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 end of that is that version of yourself imagine what that is do I believe that my infinite confident version is a middle-aged white man named Kev no but I'm a comedian and that is the digestible version that feels funny to me mm. and so I'm okay with that like when I was a roller derby my alternate ego was this 80 year old on rollerblades who was badass is that the most intimidating no but it was funny <laughs> as hell to me and I was like that's that is my roller derby persona like an 80 year old <laughs> so find what works for you Uh, and and really think about what is what is the most confident version of yourself or of someone who you've seen Mm. I love what you say as well about sort of picking up the parts of other people that are really confident and almost like adapting it to become part of yourself I love that yes I believe truly like if I'm if I want to do a soundbite confidence is about power do you relinquish your power for someone else or do you just embody your power yeah couldn't agree more that is literally said so perfectly as well I think that is that is the truth and also I like what you say as well about almost you can direct your consciousness to focus on well, at the end of the day we all Definitely. choose what we focus on and sometimes that can be a bit of pill to swallow because when you're in a negative mood you're just looking at all the negative things around you you almost like want to keep self-sabotaging I know I can sometimes and actually if I just shifted my confidence to focus on the million other positive things that I have going on in my life then I would feel instantly better. Yet sometimes I feel like it's breaking away from that kind of self-sabotage mentality and focusing on the negative when you've got so many positives that you could focus on that will boost your confidence and help to improve your self-worth. I love what you said. That was that was really, really Thank great you. takeaway. I will say um, if, if people don't believe this slight- mindset shift, I want to challenge whoever's listening. Um, today, whatever time of day you're listening to this, um, I want you to pick a color. If you don't want to pick one, I'll pick one for you. Pick the color yellow. And I want you to start looking for things that are yellow. Because you keep that in your mind, you are going to see the color yellow more prominently today than any other day. Because you're looking for things that are yellow. So the same, just like you're saying, uh, when you're looking for good, you find the good. And when you're looking bad or negative, you find it. Um, 
So I'm going to just challenge, look for yellow. You're going to see yellow everywhere today. I love that. I'm going to give it a try <laughs> myself, actually, the rest of the day now. See how much time mm -hmm. I see yellow popping up for me. Um, a slight change in question, but what do you find are the best techniques for marketing your business? Oh, I'm still learning for, with that, in all honesty. Uh, the best I've ever found is word mm -hmm. of mouth marketing, which, to be fair, I think any any marketing person will, will tell you the same. And that's one of the reasons why I try and, and produce a value like produce shows that that give a lot to my audience that give a lot to my entertainment um i <laughs> that's the best one for me um i also try and utilize what free um resources are available so for example our we have a a daily I guess most places have a daily newspaper, but <laughs> we have a weekly event newspaper and they have a free uh, calendar board, an electronic one, obviously. And um, I post on there every time I have something coming up that actually gets a lot more traction than I think people are aware of. Um, I do work with um, a Facebook marketing um, company. And for that, again, I'll say like, I don't, know all of the the best marketing avenues but what i will say as an entrepreneur is you don't have to be the expert in everything surround yourself with experts truly i found a company that i enjoy working with i enjoy their team and they are experts so they know how to market um i still clearly need a karen for my hr and accounting but like for marketing i'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll outsource to two experts and i think that's again goes to releasing some control of how it should be and when you are an entrepreneur you are in control of everything until you're not in the sense that like okay I need to trust and not just trust I do my research if I'm going to give somebody my money I want to know like let show me your deliverables let me see that you are what you say you are um so um, yeah mm, definitely I think it's so true as well. Just like, I don't think, I feel like when you start a business, it can feel like you yes. have to be an expert in everything. I know for myself, I was almost like trying to do online courses and like teach myself certain things. Like yeah. for example, SEO, um, like search engine marketing. I've never really done any of it. And I was like trying to teach myself it. And it got to the point mm -hmm. where I was actually resenting doing this course because it was just so not me. And I was thinking, oh God, not this again. But I paid the money by this point. So I kind of put myself through it. And it was actually just a massive lesson learned for me because I thought you know what for the amount of money I spent on the course I would have been better off yep. investing in someone that already does this for a job oh. and is an expert and I love that you brought that up because I think it's definitely something even if you're just starting out if you yes. have the funds that you can afford to outsource like do it as early as you can do it because it makes all absolutely the and it does go back to the time that time is money kind of philosophy you could teach yourself something mm -hmm. Or you could pay an expert who knows how to do it and then you would get the result faster, probably better. And again, I, I, my dad was very much in the picture. I, I haven't talked about him much, but I'll just say I have a dad. He's in the picture. He's married to my mom. They're all happy. But again, another shout out to my mother. Um, she very much <laughs> raised me with the mentality of this is why we work. And that would be for if we saw something that say was very expensive at a shop or something. Uh, and you know, you go in your head, like, do I want this? Do I need this? And if it was within a budget, whatever that budget was, even if it was on the expensive side, she always say, you know, what, Samantha, this is why we work so that we can choose how to spend our money. And I thought that was such a 
beautiful mentality. I try and share it as much as I can because I think we often have a lot of shame in how we spend our money. But think about why are you working in the first place? Like really, it's to have something to decide how to use it. So. I absolutely love that. What a pearl of wisdom from your mum there. That is such a great takeaway as well from the episode. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, what have been your biggest challenges so far on your journey as an entrepreneur? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, this morning before this interview, I actually did a training on, on imposter syndrome. So I would say self-doubt, even when you're doing really well and, and are successful, you sometimes think like, because you're going against the norm whenever you truly are um, going into entrepreneurship, because you're deciding that what you have created or developing is of value and that you can do it your way. And it feels very scary. Like you're like, but wait a second. If I can do this, anybody can do this. But why isn't everybody doing this? And it, um. Mm-hmm. And it happens. And so I talk a lot about that because I think it's important for people and, and also defining your own success. Like what success looks like to me might look different for someone else. You know, there are uh, coaching gurus, for example, who are making uh, like $100,000 a month, $200,000 a month. Well, how many hours a week are you working? And that's let's say they're working 40 hours a week. That's wonderful. I don't want to do that. I want to spend my time creating art. I want to spend my time taking care of my my family. That time is more valuable to me. I will never get that time back. You're $200,000 a month. That's wonderful. Good for you. That's that's success for you. So knowing what success is for you as a as, as an individual. That and then knowing that fraudulent mm-hmm. thoughts come up. For me when they come up, I sit with them. And I, uh, I go, God damn you, anxiety, get out of here. And, um, and I address that that's what it is. And I, I think like, it's usually rooted in, in anxiety and fear and the fear that it won't, that it won't continue. And so that is a scarcity mindset. I mean, and it takes time. Like, it's not like, oh, I get a, a fleeting thought and I go, nope, get out of here. And I go on with the rest of my day. I mean, it can consume my di- my day, but I would rather consume my day as I work to overcome the root of it, then it consume my year. Do you know what I mean? Oh, 100%. I think it's something that's not spoken about at all. And I love also that it's actually something that I really want to champion on this po- uh, on this podcast. I really want to, I mean, my big long-term goal is basically to make entrepreneurship as normal as going to get a nine-to-five yeah. job. I want it to be <laughs> as normal for people. That's my big goal. Like, I just, I find it so sad that we almost have to unprogram totally. ourselves if we do go out with and start a business it's outrageous like I think because the way that society is is sort of programmed like you're brought up throughout school to believe that you have to get these qualifications to go and get a nine-to-five job and then you work your way up pretty much until you die which (laughs) would be fine apart from I think there is so many of us in this world that know in our souls that that is not what we were put on this earth to do we know that that was not why we were put here yet I feel like it's such a shame that we actually have to reprogram ourselves to feel like what our soul is telling us to do is normal and is right um so I'm so glad you brought that up because it is something that I really want to just keep hammering home as much as possible on this podcast so that people start to think do you know what actually like this is normal to go and start my own business and 
and to define my own version of success. I love that you also mentioned that as well, because I think something that I'm sure you agree is important to consider when starting a business. I think the word success for a lot of people means monetary success, but actually there is so many other versions of success. For example, time, maybe like better quality of life. Like perhaps if you suffer really badly of anxiety and your job's causing you a lot of anxiety, to be able to have your own business and relieve some of that anxiety, that is also, you know, an abundant outcome to start in your own company. So I love that you mentioned that because I think that again is just something so super important for us all to start defining our own version of success and and owning it and feeling confident Mm -hmm. in our own definition of it. A hundred percent. I absolutely love that. Um, (laughs) This is such a great conversation we've had. Do you know what? I feel like you're genuinely stealing bits (laughs) out of my brain that I always have floating around and you're just coming up with them. I'm like, have you seen into my brain? I didn't want to say it, but I'm kind of a clairvoyant. No, I I didn't. (laughs) Impress your clairvoyancy (laughs) skills if that was the case because they're very accurate. Um, so what tips would you recommend to someone who is wanting to start their career in comedy? As I know I've not tried to get into it before, but I can just imagine it's quite a difficult industry to break into. So going back on what you were saying, that you wanted to make um, entrepreneurship as normal as a nine to five. Uh, I don't know if I want to make comedy as normal as, as that, but maybe. <laughs> but I think that there's that same kind of stigma. Very mm-hmm. entrepreneur. It's too hard. It's oversaturated. Who's going to listen to me? Any of this sound familiar to an entrepreneurial mind? Yeah. But, right. But the reality is much like a, an entrepreneurial business. And I'll, I'll also say this nugget for anyone who's listening who thinks, oh my gosh, it already exists. Go to the grocery store. How many options of bread are there? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's bread. So true. Like <laughs> water. Let's just talk about that. And they all fell in water, okay? You know, like electrolyte infused, prove it. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> just because it exists, it doesn't mean that there's not room for more, okay? So put that out there. Um, and I think that the same is for comedy. Your voice is uh, the thing that's missing. Uh, I will say, uh, as an entrepreneur, I do offer comedy coaching classes. I have group classes and one-on-one classes. Um, One of, I think, the biggest misconceptions is that someone in an audience watches a skilled comic and says, that looks so easy. I can do it. Okay. Love, love the chutzpah, love the tenacity. (laughs) But the reality is the hours of work, the personally, again, speaking for myself, that I put in to make a set look as though I am just prattling off the top of my head you're not seeing that. You're not seeing how I've moved jokes around over and over again to make it very seamless from one thought to the, to the other. That I've, you know, run red pens dry because I do still print out my material and edit on, on paper. I edit on my computer. I edit all over the place. You haven't seen that I've written, you know, a page of content only to be reduced to three sentences. But in those three sentences is the gold. Like mm. I had to write all of that to find what needed to be said and trash the rest. Um, so w- working on your writing, I don't think you have to join a comedy writing program, although I will say 
much like any type of investment, you can learn things on your own. Absolutely. But if you have the ability, why wouldn't you want to work with an expert? You know, mm, definitely. the, so, but I want to give some, some insight for someone who maybe doesn't have the funds, um, right every single day or in a way that is consistent. I take notes every day on things, on thoughts I have that I want to develop on a phrase or something somebody else said. Um, and then every Monday for me, that is when I take my week's worth of notes and dump them into a Google doc. Then I spend hours organizing them into, you know, maybe this adds on to a joke I've already written. Uh, maybe this is better than a joke I've already written, or maybe this is a whole new material. Then I label everything so that I know what my joke is titled. So I know how to move it around. And this goes on every week. And during Monday, I'll also revisit things I've written from last week. So there is consistent writing happening and then getting up and performing. You've got to do it. Know that the, I'm going to give the best piece of advice I ever got. It was before I was competing for Jimmy Kimmel's funniest college student in America. I was very nervous. This guy, male comic, ugh, he was like really, he was just, I felt really trying to intimidate everybody. And I was so irritated. And he was so much older than I was. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, why do you need to like make us feel scared? Like you can tell we're all nervous and you for whatever reason aren't. And I wasn't by, I wasn't giving in to him. He had tried to talk with me a couple of times and I was just like, leave me alone, dude. Like, I don't like your vibe. Right before I go on, this guy just pulls me aside and I was like, oh my God, I'm barely not crying. Like he's going to say something to put me over the edge, you know? <laughs> and he says, you know, I want you to know that I know you're funny. And I remember I lashed out and I go, how would you know? I haven't even said anything. And he said, you wouldn't be here if you didn't know that you're funny. He's like, you need to believe that you are because I know you are. It's easy to sit in an audience. It is hard to be over here. But know that the audience knows their job and they want to laugh at you. They want to see you succeed because it is uncomfortable to watch someone fail on stage. Hmm. And I thought about that and I tell that to comics that like the audience does have a job and they do want you to succeed. Like So true. And, uh, and I, that's that along with talent, <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> born and practiced, you know, what I tell my students when I work with them, as long as you believe what you, what you're saying and you can stand behind it, that is what matters. You know, we can work on your delivery. We can work on your audience engagement. We can work on all of these things, but if you go on stage and there's a part of you that doesn't think what you're about to say is funny, it's not going to work period. Mm, so true I love that you shared all that thank you for being so generous as well kind of like really lifting the lid and sharing a bit of a behind the scenes on what it really takes <laughs> um I'll also be sure as well to link your website and um your coaching and things on the show notes just so if anyone is interested they know where to find you and um, so they can look into that a little bit more I know you kind of mentioned during that piece that um you use Mondays to kind of like go through notes that you've written down and things kind of links up with productivity and sort of like arranging your week and scheduling your week do you have any tips on that at all because I know as an entrepreneur myself it was something that kind of really threw me when I first started my business I was like oh I have absolute control over how my week's going to be spent like how can I be productive and I don't know it took me quite a lot to get over procrastination so I was just wondering yeah. if you had any tips at all 
Oh, well, as a constant work in progress, I, I will say <laughs> I, I'll, what works for me. And again, you have to find what works for you as the individual. Mm-hmm. Even if there are systems in place for other people, they swear by, if it doesn't work for you, then it's not, then don't use it, move it along. So for me, what works for me is <laughs> I have a Google calendar. I color code everything. And I have separate Google calendars for my different um, ventures. So when they're all highlighted, then they all overlay over each other. Um, But also, if I don't want to feel overwhelmed, I can just look at one at a time and see what's going on for that one that week. I also have a tangible calendar, like a whiteboard calendar that has kind of the big dates and things that I need to do on it. And I have a small physical calendar that I write things down in. Like I said, uh, spontaneity does not appeal to me. I write, <laughs> I write notes. And, um, and, and in all honesty, I'm still a work in progress as well. You know, I'm still working out what is the best breakdown of my time and how can I best accomplish things. So I write down the big tasks that need to be accomplished every month and the big tasks that need to be accomplished every week. The very act of writing it down. There's so much science behind this Mm. that that keeps you accountable and that keeps your brain coming back to that, you know, that thing that you should be doing when you're knitting your cat a sweater. As cute as it is, it's like, okay, that's great. But like, uh, (laughs) you've got a contract you have to write and send out. (laughs) An interview to do. Uh, You know, you've got to organize all of your expenses. And I'll also say this. For your first year and maybe even your your second year, in the best way and with all preventative measures, accept that you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. Do everything you can to make them as not as costly as possible, but accept that it is going to happen because you're starting. You're you are starting something. You know. Definitely. None of us were alive when Disney started. I don't think, I don't know. I'm not a Disney, I'm not the biggest fan. I'm fairly certain that it, I know it started before I was alive. So I'll just say that using me. <laughs> like, so I don't know what mistakes were made in the first year, financial or otherwise, but I know that it's here now. Definitely. You know? I think that's so true. I, th- I can't agree with that more to be completely honest with you. Um, it's something as well that I'm myself working on. I think with anything, when you start your business, like know that you are always going to be a work in progress and that you're yes. not going to get to a point where you're perfect. Nobody, like even the biggest names in industry, in business, totally. they don't they don't know 100% what they're doing all the time either. Like they make it look like they do, but they're still learning as well. So I think it's just being kind to yourself, isn't it? And like give yourself some slack. Yes, totally. And remember that you are you are the entrepreneur, so you can take a break. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. need, it, it, you know, you can step away from the computer yeah, or you can change your more. environment. I love as well that you use Google calendars. I'm a massive Google calendars fan. So <laughs> I, I I second that. That is definitely a good place to start. And obviously it is free. So if at the beginning yeah. you're kind of wanting to keep your costs down, it's a good place to start because it's easily accessible as well. And everyone pretty much works with Google Calendar. So it's good if you ever have to schedule meetings and things. Um, the, next question to, the next question is a really exciting one. So where do you see <laughs> your business in five years' time? What are your goals for the future? <laughs> Oh my goodness. I love it. Okay. So 
Um, I will have a studio to film in for not just content, but virtual shows and virtual coaching, because quite frankly, um, even when the world reopens, I do believe that the virtual platform in terms of teaching and instruction, we've now realized <laughs> it's like we knew it was accessible before, but no one really was using it that much. And now everyone's yes. like, oh, I can get an instructor from anywhere <laughs> in the world. So I don't think that's going to go anywhere. Um, I think it's only going to get bigger. So I want a home base office. Um, I will have be I will be able to employ maybe 20 to 50 people. Uh, and I, I don't know if I want a full bear cave. No, I do. I do. I'm going to say it. I do. I will have, I will have my brick and mortar bear cave comedy, but I will still maintain with my grassroots of the pop-up, the pop-ups around, um, accessibility is important to me. And, uh, my, Kitchen kits will be a staple in every university student. I sell Bare Necessities kitchen kits. They're amazing. And so I believe they will be a staple when any student is moving away to college or is graduating from college as a, here are, I couldn't give you the adulting handbook. So here's the next best thing, the adulting kitchen kit. Here you go. Um, no more microwave meals for you. Um, and <laughs> I'll continue to be making the world a happier place and I will be able to be financially secure, successful in my investments. And I dream big, man. Why not? You know, no, if I can, no. if in five years I'm able to, my dad has retired about five times. He loves working. I think he's the hardest working individual I've ever met in my life, but I want to be able to fully like, okay, sir, you're done. Like, I want to <laughs> fully, fully retire him, give him money to do passion projects, um, set up funds for my family. That's really where I come from. To be very honest, I want to make sure that I'm taken care of and that my future is set. But the reality is, um, I don't know if you've ever watched um, Hello, Dolly. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. Great songs. Great everything. There's this woman in there uh, and she talks about that money is meant to be sprinkled around and watch, watch it grow. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah, it's so, I tell you, my mom had great movie picks for us. So <laughs> I'll have to keep an eye I, on that. I don't think I've seen that before. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an old movie, but it, the costumes are great, everything. And that's how I look at money. And uh, when I think about an abundance mindset versus uh, a, a, uh, I can't even think of the other word, but um, like a, a lack of a lacking mindset, mm. the abundance mindset. And I talked about this with, with, with Kristen Jenna in the program that I was in. I said, you know, how do you just, I was so angry one day. I said, how do you justify uh, trillionaires, billionaire, multi-billionaires, like, you know, Jeff Bezos, how do you justify that as, as an abundant mindset? You know, the people who work for him, like they're making so little, they can't finish in, um, she wasn't there to justify his behavior or otherwise, but she said, you know, having more of something makes you more of what you already are. If mm. you are by nature a uh, stingy person, having more money won't make you more um, generous. So and true. so I, I believe myself to be not just a generous person, but an empowering person. Like I want to set someone up to be able to care for themselves. I want people to realize they can 
they can do the thing they love and be properly compensated for it. Doing what you love is one thing. Being compensated for everything you've put into that is completely different. So that's what I want in five years. And Aww. to have you come out to a show and put that out there. Listen, yes. I'm either coming to you or you're coming <laughs> to me. It's happening. You've got five years. Write it down. Oh, I'd love that. I'll add that to my little vision board as well. I'll definitely yes. love that. Will you also okay, have then to ask? <laughs> Oh, thank you. Out of the 20 people you're going to be hiring, I have to ask, will Karen from HR be one of them? <laughs> oh, my God, yes. One of the 20 people, 100%. You can Karen have three Karens. <laughs> I know. At, at that point, I might be three Karens. <laughs> yes, yeah. definitely. Especially if you get up to a staff of 50, you'll definitely need three Karens. So Absolutely, watch this space, yeah. everyone. <laughs> oh, thank you. I hadn't even thought that Karen would be one of them. I was only thinking like <laughs> maybe I'll now be like I'll have fifty one because there'll be a space yeah. for Karen. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh gosh, I thought we would finish off this interview just with a question that I ask all of my guests. Um, so it's actually two questions, but I'll kind of break it down into one. Um, so firstly, what would what sort of if you could say one sentence or you know like kind of a, a piece to inspire women that who want to start their own businesses but are just a bit scared to get started is there anything you'd like to say to them just to give them that motivation they need to get going yes don't wait for it to be perfect for you to start because it doesn't have to be perfect for you to start yes I absolutely love that I absolutely couldn't agree more with that one um and then my last question of the interview so what does being a female entrepreneur mean to you Ugh, it means I'm a badass bitch who walks in a room when I want. <laughs> Honestly, being a female entrepreneur means I control I control my time. I control when I get raises. I control when I work, when I vacation, when I play. It means it means freedom to create. Being a female entrepreneur is quite possibly maybe one of the most empowering things. Because you are saying, I have something to offer, I am valid, and I am doing it, period. I didn't ask permission, I am doing it. I love that. What go. a great way to finish the interview. I absolutely <laughs> love it. I could not agree more. Um, thank you so much, Sam, for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate you um, sharing so much of your wisdom and just being so open and such a joy to talk to you today um you can follow sam's inspiring journey over on instagram and the handle is sam fair comedy and i'll pop all the links as well to um sam's website and social media in the show notes so that you can go and check out her page as well but thank you so much sam i really appreciate it absolutely anytime Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to keep up to date with the latest Who and What She Wants podcast episodes, then please follow our Instagram page, which is at the handle at Who and What She Wants podcast, or hit the subscribe button now. We hope to see you again soon.